Welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast, a show for anyone wanting to level up their travel hacking lifestyle. I'm your host, Julia Menez. I'm a travel hacker, coach, speaker, Filipina-American ENTJ who loves solid travel gear and using shortcuts on spreadsheets. On this show, I'm on a mission to bring you travel hackers from all walks of life to help you level up your travel hacking game. We dive into credit cards, miles, points, strategy, mindset, and the secrets behind how to travel the world for next to no cost. So let's get hacking. So that's kind of why we chose to go through a travel agency because we had not very much time to plan, but also not very much time to be there. And to have one person just kind of take all of that and be like, I know exactly where you should stay. And I'm going to give you a private driver to get you from place to place. Because, you know, between the Sahara Desert and Marrakesh or the desert and Fez, that's a long drive. And that's something that I didn't quite understand even during booking was it's an eight hour drive from Fez to the desert. And that was our next stop after Fez. So to have the company kind of provide a driver for us. And that driver was also sort of acted as a tour guide to be like, here's where you are. And here's these beautiful things that I can tell you all about. It was really nice. And I would 100% do it again. Hey there, points people. You just heard a clip from Sierra Smith from High Sierra Points. Sierra is an aerospace engineer, points and miles enthusiast, dog mom, wife, and avid traveler. She loves creating friendly, digestible content around credit cards and their lesser-known benefits to help make travel more accessible to those who may not otherwise have the means. Her goal is to create an understanding that responsible credit card usage can help you travel the world by using the right credit card on your regular expenses. In this episode, Sierra and I dive into her honeymoon trip to Morocco. We are talking about what she flew, where she stayed, what she ate, and of course, how you can do all of this while leveraging the wonderful world of points and miles. As you'll hear in this episode, Morocco was also my first points redemption, and it was kind of by accident. If you're just getting started with points and miles, I would highly recommend checking out the Chase Sapphire Preferred, which is the most popular card for those looking to get started with points and miles. Remember, if you decide to apply for the Chase Sapphire Preferred or any other card, never ever apply directly through Google. Always use a friend or creator's referral link. If you're interested in supporting this show when you apply for your next card, check out geobreezetravel.com cards. And we have a link to the Chase Sapphire Preferred for you in the show notes as well. And now, on with the show. Hey, Sierra. Welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. Hey, great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for being on the show. And we are excited to talk about Morocco and all of the different points options for flying to Morocco and staying in Morocco. And this is a destination that's pretty near and dear to me because it was actually my first points redemption we will talk about that in a little bit, but tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you get into the game of points and miles? Yeah, so I am a aerospace engineer. I love to travel. I got into traveling about right after college. And back then I was like a just dirt poor like backpacker traveler. And I guess that's like a type of travel hacking in its own way, but I paid for everything with cash back then. So I didn't even really understand what I was missing out on until a few years ago, I had a friend come and talk to me, me and my husband about travel hacking. And basically I was just blown away. I didn't, I thought it was a scam at first. I was like, this is like, you're, someone is scamming you. (laughs) So I, yeah, he basically just talked to us about it. After that, we have been basically signing up for different cards. I also just wanted to highlight that it was kind of part of our like personal finance journey that we started learning about credit cards and 
We received a lot of advice about how credit cards and credit card debt can completely ruin your finances, which is 100% true. And that is kind of what kept me away from credit cards for so long. I was kind of raised to think that credit cards are bad. And my mom, I remember her telling me, we'd go to Old Navy or something and she'd be like, never sign up for these credit cards when the cashier would say something. And like, looking back now, I'm glad she kept me away from those ones. I was going to say, she, she's not wrong. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm definitely grateful that she taught me that, but I just didn't really have an understanding of what some of the better benefits about credit cards were until recently. So yeah, I was just really grateful that I started learning more about what responsible credit card usage means and what it can get you. And yeah, just started getting really into it and very happy that I learned how to use credit cards responsibly to get free travel. So what were some of the first cards that you got? So I was pretty fortunate because this friend definitely helped us get into it a little bit. He recommended the Chase Sapphire Preferred first. So I signed up for that and then shortly after referred my husband to it. And so we started off on a pretty good foot with the Chase Sapphire Preferred. And I think we signed up at 80,000 points. So it was a pretty good sign-up bonus at the time. And then after that, we didn't have a, a super... Well thought out strategy. We went, I think we went next to the Capital One Venture card, which is definitely not a bad card. But at the time, Capital One Venture or Capital One points weren't as valuable, I would say, as they are now. So we had like kind of a big stack of like kind of random points to start off with, but it ended up working out really well. And I don't think that we had too bad of a strategy. So we've we, since then, we've got basically every Chase Inc. business card and a couple of Southwest cards for the Companion Pass and most of the Amex cards as well. So circling back to bad strategies, can you tell us about <laughs> a mistake or two that you made early on where you want to warn other people not to make the same mistake? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've made many, but... <laughs> One of the ones that I would love to highlight for other people is when I first got into it, I signed up for one business and one personal Southwest card in an effort to get the Southwest Companion Pass. And I tried to time my purchases perfectly so that I would earn the Companion Pass right after my very first statement of the year so that I could maximize the two-year time period that I could hold it. But it turns out that I misjudged how long my first billing cycle was on one of my cards. And the sign-up bonus for that card posted to my account at the very end of December. So because you only have one calendar year to hit the min like point balance for the companion pass, those points were immediately wiped off of my companion pass point tracker at the beginning of the year, like a few days later. <laughs> and I was devastated. So... I called Southwest and begged them to count the points towards my sign-up bonus for the next year, and they would not. So <laughs> I eventually just, or I mean, I eventually earned the companion pass later in the year, but it was, yeah, a several months and questionable purchases later, <laughs> I finally ended up earning it. So I think, yeah, just, I, I think my advice on that would be to Definitely try to earn it at the beginning of the year. That's so that you can maximize the time period that you can hold the Southwest Companion Pass. Just make sure you understand how long your billing cycles are before you sign up. <laughs> oh my God, that is a devastating story. And even if someone wants to put a little bit more padding into the wrists, like 
if you don't hit the companion pass until February 1st, that's fine. That is a oh, much yeah. better scenario <laughs> than, oh my God, I'm so sorry that that happened. Oh yeah. Today. And exactly. I was, I was just, like I said, I was so jazzed about travel hacking. I was like, I'm going to just be the most efficient and I'm going to hit this like my very first billing cycle of the year. <laughs> I was so excited about it, but I got too excited, I think, and hit the minimum spend before I was supposed to. So. Yeah. Oh, well, we all live and learn, but at <laughs> least the Southwest thing was not integral to your strategy for getting to travel to Morocco. Can you tell us a little bit about how did you decide you wanted to go to Morocco and what was kind of your planning process? Did you find a deal and then decide you wanted to go or did you already know you wanted to go and kind of worked backwards from there? It was a little bit of, it's a long story. So we went to Morocco on our honeymoon. And we were just kind of searching around forever, trying to figure out where we wanted to go. We wanted something where we could maybe spend some time on the beach, but also have some adventure. And we had about two weeks to go on our honeymoon. So we were just looking for different destinations that could offer kind of a lot of different stuff during that time frame. So the other part of it was that we were originally supposed to get married during the pandemic and had to postpone our wedding. So this, our honeymoon came like kind of right da- smack dab in the middle of, of COVID. And so we were also restricted by areas and countries that were open. And we found Morocco just kind of by doing some like Google searches about different destinations. And we, we originally just really wanted to go to Africa because neither of us had been there before. And kind of, yeah, just landed on Morocco and thought it looked beautiful. There was a lot of different things to do in Morocco. So we kind of landed on it that way without really even understanding what it would take to get there using points. But luckily, we were able to use the points that we had to get there pretty well. Tell us a little bit about that. What did you spend points on? Tell us about flights and hotels and everything. Break down all the details for us. Let's start with flights. Okay, so I'll tell you what we did and then I will tell you what I would do now (laughs) because this was actually the very first award redemption that I have really ever made or had made at the time because we had been stacking up points during the pandemic and kind of saving them for this trip. And it was the first time I really had been able to actually redeem them. So what we did, we had a whole bunch of chase points, like I mentioned. So we ended up transferring our points to Iberia who offers an award flight on Royal Air Maroc. And Royal Air Maroc is a great airline. They obviously mostly fly in and out of Morocco, but we flew from Washington Dulles to Casablanca. And we spent, it was 50,000 points, chase points one way per person in business class. And Royal Air Maroc has a pretty great business class product, at least I will say for the 787-9 plane. They have a one-to-one format in business class. It's herringbone style. It's kind of, they've, they've done kind of a refresh to their fleet. And it's, it's, it was great. We really loved it. We flew that flight from, like I said, Washington to Casablanca. And then we, we booked it as a part of a round trip flight. So we transferred, I think, for t- um, in total, because it's 50000 per person one way, we spent 200000 for two people round trip. And we had to transfer to Iberia. And I will say that was, Iberia was not the most, (laughs) my experience anyway with Iberia was not the most friendly. I had to stay on hold for a really long time because 
basically you have to, you can search for award flights online through other airlines. Iberia won't show you online, but to actually book the flight, you have to get someone on the phone to book the flight. And I just had to spend hours on end. It felt like on hold to get somebody who actually could could book the flight for us or understood what I was looking for. So that was a little bit of, yeah, just a bother, I guess. But it ended up working out. They were able to book our flights for us. So we spent 200000 round trip for business class flights. And I think we spent maybe $200 on surcharges each way, something like that. It, it wasn't... I mean, it, it wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible either. So to clarify, you moved points into your Iberia account and then booked Royal Air Maroc tickets through Iberia? Yeah, that's correct. Royal Air Maroc is part of the One World Alliance and, as well as Iberia. So, so you can book award flights on Royal Air Maroc with Iberia. But like I said, you just have to call, call their helpline to get someone to book you to book your flight for you. So that was how we ended up doing it with our chase points. But looking back, we didn't have Amex points at the time, but I think the best way to actually book this flight is if you have Amex points, Etihad offers a flight with Royal Air Maroc as well, an award flight. And it's only, I think they charge 44,000 miles one way in business class from the East Coast to Casablanca. So I think that's a little bit better way. And you can also transfer points from Amex, Capital One, or City. If you have Amex points or Capital One or City, you can book this through Etihad. And it's the same situation where you can't book this flight online through Etihad. You would have to go online, maybe through like American Airlines, and find the award availability first. And then you can call Etihad, and that same flight should be available as an award flight through Etihad. So you can find your availability first and then call someone and make sure that it's available through them and then transfer your miles or transfer your points and then book through Etihad and you'll pay a 44000 one way. And I'm not sure on the fuel surcharges on that one, but yeah, I think if I were to do it again, I would book that Etihad miles flight just because it would cost 8000 less each way. Do you know how fast... Etihad miles will move over. Like, can you call and confirm the availability and move stuff over while you're still on the phone, or do you have to give it hours or days? All three of those transfer to ratio of one to one. The transfer should go through instantly unless you are transferring Capital One points, in which case you'll have to wait up to 24 hours to see the points appear in your Etihad guest account. So you can just make sure you found the flight you want to book before you transfer the points. And then, like you said, you could. Probably even make that happen while you're on the phone after you've confirmed that they actually have that flight available. So tell us a little bit about hotels. Where did you stay and how many points did it take? And also, if you could do it again, would you choose the same hotel or would you pick a different one on points? Yeah, so this is unique because we, like I said, this was our honeymoon that we were booking and when it came to hotels, I did do a little bit of searching and there are some, there's a handful of good options in Morocco through Hyatt and there's a few Hilton properties and, as well as Marriott, but there's not 
like an abundance of properties there. And most of them are in some of the larger cities like Marrakesh and Casablanca. So the the trip that we took, we flew into Casablanca and then drove immediately to the city of Fez, which has a big Medina and a ton of different stuff like the you'll see the leather tannery that's that Morocco is kind of famous for is in Fez. So we ended up using a travel agency, which I know is a little bit outrageous for points folks, because it's sort of like, as a as someone who's obsessed with points and miles, you're almost like a travel agent yourself. But we really wanted to do this because we found a local Moroccan company to go through. And you know, we were pretty swamped through, obviously, planning our wedding and everything. So we kind of just wanted someone to tell us where we wanted to go. And then, yeah, so we ended up going through a company called Epic travel. They're, like I said, they're a company that's local to Morocco. And I'm actually grateful that we did it that way because there's, like I said, there's so many little small towns that don't offer any award hotels at all that we wanted to explore in this like two week stint that we were there. So I thought that was a great option for us because we got to explore some properties that we never would have found or stayed in if we hadn't gone through this company. But I will say that there are definitely some options. And I think it's it's completely bookable through points. I just think that there's there's some other options that I would explore as well. And I'm I'm happy that we went this route just because we got to stay in some like lesser known properties that we I wouldn't have found if I was using points. When we traveled so, to Morocco, we used a travel agent as well. Well, we tried to. So Here's the story (laughs) of my first ever points redemption. We found a cheap cash fare flight. We were traveling to Morocco and we used this guy who was also local and he was going to take care of our pickups from the airport, all of our transportation throughout the country. We're going to see a few different cities. He was taking care of excursions and hotels and 20 hours before we were going to get on our flight to Morocco, he called and had to cancel on us because he had a family emergency and they did he was a one-man shop oh, he didn't no. have any backup or anything oh no so he had to cancel and we got refunded and I had about 20 hours to figure out what to do except much less time than that because a lot of that time was going to be spent in the air so I had a few hours we had just met a couple of sign-up bonuses. So one was the SPG card way back in the day, rest in peace, former Best Loyalty Awards program. So I don't remember how many points I had, but I had some SPG points and then I had to call Amex and was reading a script from some blog being like, hey, I get free nights, right? With this? And I had never done a redemption before. And they said, yep, you have enough points for three free nights at the Sheraton in Casablanca. And I said, perfect, we're going to take that and we're going to figure out the rest of it after we get there. That was that was our first ever points redemption. And we get to the hotel lobby. It's super nice. It's actually way nicer than anything we had stayed at up to that point in our lives. And I was just laughing to myself, like, we're going to be homeless. We... <laughs> Are not. I'm just. I'm walking up with some printed confirmation number, being like, "I get free nights at your <laughs> hotel," and then they said, "Yes, you get three free nights, and we've upgraded you because you have status with the card. 
here's free breakfast, free hors d'oeuvres and cocktail hour. And that's about the time that I got addicted to points and miles. So that was our first redemption story. Well, that's great. And I'm sorry you had that experience. And that's that's definitely a huge risk when you put your travels into the hands of someone else who you may not may or may not know very well. <laughs> so that's too bad, but it sounds like you figured it out. Yeah, we figured it out and we just booked a lot of day trips out of Morocco. So you mentioned you went to Fez. I love Fez. It's very artsy and so so many different craftsmen and lots of different markets. When you go into Casablanca, it does not look like what you're hoping Morocco looks like. Like I think everybody thinks it's just going to look like Aladdin or something like that. <laughs> right. And it, and it doesn't. It just it looks like a city, like every other city, but other places like Fez and Marrakesh really do look more like what you expect Morocco to look like. So I think people like to get into Casablanca, get out of Casablanca, and then look at some of the other places. I can't believe we've already recorded more than 100 podcast episodes. It feels like we just started yesterday, but we've already covered so many great points and mile strategies on this show and have many more to come. If you're new to this show or looking to level up your points game quickly, I offer a bunch of resources at geobreezetravel.com slash start here. It includes links to free consults, free trials to some of my favorite points tools, and also links to services like group coaching, which start at only $5 per session through the Patreon. Again, that's geobreezetravel.com slash start here, which I have linked for you in the show notes. And speaking of the Patreon, this week's Patreon shout out goes out to Berju. Thank you so much for being a part of the GeoBreeze Travel Patreon community. Yeah, that's so true. And I really love Morocco because it's, I feel like it's very versatile. It's got the Sahara Desert. It's got the Atlas Mountains. There's a huge coastline. And then there's a bunch of cities that are kind of connecting everything together. And yeah, Casablanca is, I believe it's like the business capital for the country. And so it's mostly just like skyscrapers and buildings and things. So yeah, we we flew into Casablanca because those were the best flights, but literally same day drove to Fez and didn't even spend a single night in Casablanca. Or we really wanted to see as much as we could while we were there. And granted, we had a two week time period to tr- try to fit everything in and And so that's kind of why we chose to go through a travel agency because we had not very much time to plan, but also not very much time to be there. And to have one person just kind of take all of that and be like, I know exactly where you should stay. And I'm going to give you a private driver to get you from place to place because, you know, between the Sahara Desert and Marrakesh or the desert and Fez, that's a long drive. And that's something that I didn't quite understand even during booking was it's an eight-hour drive from Fez to the desert, and that was our next stop after Fez. So to have somebody, to have the company kind of provide a driver for us, and that driver was also sort of acted as a tour guide to be like, here's where you are, and here's these beautiful things that I can tell you all about. It was really nice, and I would 100% do it again. But I think if I if I were to do it again slightly differently and, and make sure I'm utilizing points, I would... Just make sure that in the bigger cities, those point those are the cities where you're going to find good redemptions and beautiful properties. Like you said, you I'm as I'm sure you know, there's beautiful. They're called riads, um, which are like big. They're like old homes, I guess, that have been turned into hotels, and they have like a big sort of 
Some have a pool in the middle, some have a fountain in the middle, but there's just big, beautiful mosaics and tile work everywhere. Moroccans are so talented with their with their home interiors. So it was really incredible to be able to go to some of these lesser known places that it seriously feels like you're royalty when you're there because they're just the most incredible, beautiful buildings. Can you name some points hotels that people should check out, whether it is a Riyadh or just a regular point hotel, whether it's in a city or a lesser known town, any recommendations for particular points places? Yeah, definitely. I think, so Hyatt probably has the most valuable properties in Morocco. I think, I mean, in total, I want to say there's only four total. There's one in Marrakesh and I want to say it's category seven. So it's it's a very nice, beautiful property. I think it is called, I'm going to butcher this, but it's Sar Charba. That's a really beautiful spot. I think Maria also has a Le Meridian in Marrakesh as well. And like we talked about, there's a couple of other properties in Casablanca if you're trying to stay there. And then in Fez, there's also another Hyatt property that is category five. It's called Hotel Sari. I'm going to butcher this one. Hotel Sarai. And I mean, really, there's every, I feel like everywhere you go in Morocco, all of the properties are beautiful. There's, I mean, like I said, so many beautiful mosaics and tile work. They're all about the tile work. So everything is really incredibly beautiful. But those are a couple that I would suggest if I were to go back and use points to stay in hotels there. Those are great recommendations. When I was looking up Hyatt as well, there's the Hyatt Regency and the Hyatt Place in Tagazut, which I'm also sure I'm not pronouncing correctly, but that's more on the southern coast if you are looking for a beach resort in Morocco, which I think nobody ever thinks about Morocco as a beach destination, but they have so much coastline and it's it's really, really beautiful as far as I've seen. Also, fun fact, the desert scenes in Game of Thrones were filmed in the southern part of Morocco or into Western Sahara. So. Yeah, we actually stopped by the recording studio where they filmed some of that. And it was, it just blows my mind. Like I said, Morocco is like a long, skinny country. And so one entire coastline is just beach. And so there's a lot of beach options. We didn't go to the beach because we were just kind of looking to hit some of the major cities and and obviously ride camels on the in the Sahara Desert. So we spent some time doing that. But I've heard really good things about the beach. But our I can tell you kind of like our itinerary and like the different spots that we hit. So we started in Fez and then went down to the Sahara Desert a few days after that and rode camels out into the desert. And I'm not sure if you did that same experience as well, but it was incredible. I know it's probably a little touristy, but it was really nice. And, and then you go stay in these beautiful tents. I mean, they call it tents, but it, it was like a very nice hotel stay. Basically, it just happens to be made out of a tent. If anybody is a fan of the show Inventing Anna, I don't remember which of these places they stayed at, whether it was the Royal Mansour or the La Mamounia, but you can book those through Amex Fine Hotels and Resorts as well. They are spendy. They are very, very spendy. If you wanted to, get $200 off like with your Amex Platinum or something and then get $100 food and beverage credit, you could book it through Amex Fine Hotels and Resorts. There's the Overroy Marrakesh as well that you could book through there. And I think you mentioned La Meridian or Anayila Marrakesh. So those are both 
bookable with Marriott points. Lots and lots of different options. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, we were kind of trying to focus on some of the smaller spots that we wanted to spend more time kind of away from the big cities, even though the big cities are beautiful. And I think everyone should 100% experience those. We kind of wanted to get out into the countryside and see what's out there. And I did look up Capital One, the Capital One portal, even though I know it's usually like frowned upon to book through a portal. The Capital One portal, if you have, I believe if you have the Venture X card, you get 10x points on cash bookings through the through the Capital X portal. And there's lots of options there, especially outside of the big cities as well. So that would be a good option if you're trying to book this entire trip on your own and trying to maximize the amount of points you can earn if you're not able to redeem points for a hotel stay. At least you can earn a bunch of points for your hotel stay. Let's talk about excursions and food. So I know you mentioned the camel thing. What else did you do to fill your days in between just enjoying the beautiful designs of Moroccan architecture, which I was all about the doors, by the way. That was my thing. Instead of mosaic tiles, (laughs) my thing was all of the archy doors and the intricate carvings. So what did you do for excursions? And food. That's yeah, that's so funny you say that because I think I have a hundred pictures of me in front of different doors because they're just so incredibly beautiful. So when we were in Fez, we kind of just got lost in the Medina. It's it's seriously just a maze and it's really kind of fun to go get lost. You have to be careful because there's people who may try to take advantage of you and be like, let me lead you down to this friend of mine's store and you can look at these beautiful rugs and you can get lost really easily if you don't know where you're going. And fun fact, Google Maps does not work very well inside the Medina. So you have to be careful that you know how to get back to where you're going. But that was one thing we actually did a food tour through there. And it's that one was a little crazy because they have you they have you try all the different traditional Moroccan foods, like different breads and and different meats and things like that. But then they had us try like weird things like camel eyeball and just some things that were not as appetizing. So, but it was an experience and I I really enjoyed that because Moroccans seriously have some of the best food I've ever tasted. It was it was awesome. And they're also one of the largest exports for obviously Moroccan oil, but also argon oil and rose oil. So part of the trek from the desert back, they have a, a town in the middle where they're producing, you know, most of the rose oil that is sold in the world. And so they, we went on an excursion to learn how they make rose oil and grind it down and everything. And same thing for argon oil. We went through a class on how they grind down the seeds to make argon oil. And mostly it was just tons of good food. We also did this when we got to Marrakesh, we did this like sidecar vintage tour where we had a guide that took us through Marrakesh just to kind of show us the different areas and give us some history about Marrakesh and that was really cool and on our final day we did a sunrise balloon hot air balloon flight which was probably one of my favorites we had to get up at 4 a.m to do it but when you get up there you can see the entire North African desert and it was incredible so as I said before it was something that our travel agency took care of and I kind of just told them like I really want to try all of these things and so they made it happen 
Another thing is we went to a winery just outside of Fez that was really incredible. Moroccans don't traditionally drink alcohol, but there's a couple of different places you can go, especially around the bigger cities like that, to find where they're growing wine. Or in Marrakesh, there was also a lot of great bars as well. So yeah, that was one one thing that I wanted to bring up is they're not traditionally, obviously, alcohol drinkers, but there are some places if you're looking for it that you can enjoy a bevy. <laughs> yeah. I know you mentioned Morocco has some of the best food. Some of my favorites when we were there, the tangine is really good. It's like a slow cooker pot where it's shaped like a cone and it makes whatever meat you have in there, whether it's chicken or goat or beef or even just vegetables, really, really soft. So it's like a slow cooker and it's fantastic. Eat all of the dates because the dates are incredible there. They have really good honey that's made in the desert. So Morocco is one of my favorite food destinations ever. And you mentioned argan oil, which if anybody's into high quality cosmetics, that's usually one of the ingredients that's either in cosmetics or hair care products. And their stuff is legit. If you find the legit places, because like you mentioned, you might be led down a maze where they are probably selling you canola oil that's scented a little bit. So the way that you can tell, I always just would rub a little bit on like the inside of my wrist because I get allergic to things really easily. And then I would have a fairly long conversation and wait to see if it would rash or not. So that's one trick that you can do to tell if it's high quality oil versus if they just are trying to sell you cheap oil. Also in Morocco, it's really important to be comfortable with haggling. How comfortable are you, Sierra, with the haggling? Did you have to do it? Oh, yes, absolutely. And that's such a good point is that it's almost like they will mark up a price like 10 times even to because they're like expecting it most of the time anyway. And so, yeah, I think that's a really good point is knowing how to get the cost down a little bit. And I, I heard once that you're supposed to start at like, I don't know, some people say start at half, some people say start at three fourths. But yeah, it definitely had to get comfortable or more comfortable with haggling while we were there. The Arabic word for no is la. And I found it very effective that if I would ask how much is this and someone quoted a price and I would just say back, la, 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 the price would just go down. So hot tip for anybody (laughs) who's shopping in a Moroccan market. Yeah, that is a great piece of advice. It's definitely... We definitely had to get good at saying no because it's it, it was a kind of a double-edged sword because when we were there, Morocco had just opened up for tourism. And so it was really empty. There was almost no travelers in pretty much every place that we went. Aside from the big cities, we would see people. When you get on into the country or some of the smaller towns between the big cities, they were really hurting for tourism. And so it, it kind of made me feel bad because... There's a lot of people who really rely on tourism out there. So they're, they're, they're very happy and excited to see tourists and yeah, happy to have your business as well. So it was nice to be there. And the, the other thing I wanted to bring up is their, the language there. They speak, I mean, we heard so many different languages while we were there. They speak Arabic and French and Berber and even a little bit of Spanish. And some, a lot, a lot of people definitely knew English as well, but it was nice to, like you said, kind of know some of the choice words when you're heckling or or bargaining for something to know the word no or how much or just know some of the basics when you 
get to a certain area. For sure. So we've talked about flights and hotels, excursions, food, any other tips that you have about Morocco? Somebody's thinking about traveling there, especially on points and miles. Yeah, I think obviously that this is probably an obvious one, but just being flexible with your dates. I know word availability has been really more difficult to find than I've ever seen it before. So if you can't find that $44,000 point flight with Etihad, or you can't see availability for that 50,000 point Iberia flight, just try searching surrounding dates or try try rebooking your flight for a time that's not during peak travel times because that will definitely help you save on on travel but yeah i think another thing would just be just be prepared if you're trying to see a bunch of different cities or a bunch of different areas especially if you're only going there for let's say a week you're probably not or i wouldn't suggest trying to go to too many cities within that time frame just because it's i wasn't expecting at least for the amount of travel that you have to do to get between each city there's it's it's just longer than you might expect so just kind of be prepared to maybe if you're only going for a week maybe just try to see one or two different spots but if you have maybe two weeks even two weeks is was a little bit hard to try to hit fez and the sahara and marrakesh all during that time frame so yeah just maybe pick a couple of spots you want to see and then just go back because Morocco is beautiful and there's a lot there's a lot there to see so great tip and speaking of tips if you had to pick your number one travel hacking tip for listeners today that we can fit on an Instagram quote card what would your number one piece of travel hacking advice be I think it would be that probably it would be to ask questions and reach out to as many people or as many travel hacking accounts as you can before you start redeeming flights, because there's so many helpful points accounts on Instagram or just online that can help you learn a little bit, even if you have to pay a little bit of money for a one-on-one or a master class like Julia teaches, it can save you thousands of dollars in travel when you're just getting started to start learning some of those tips and tricks to really get the best value for your points. Fantastic. And you give a shout out to somebody else on the internet who listeners should check out for awesome points and miles tips? Yeah, I have a couple. I would love to shout out my friend Mariah. She has, she's at points for the memories. She kind of focuses more on national park redemptions, but she's also just really knowledgeable about all things points and miles and credit card strategy. Um, I'd also like to shout out Kevin from the points analyst. I've been just recently started contributing to his blog and he's also really knowledgeable. And then two more I really want to shout out is Eli Facenda and Tommy Lonergan. They are two of the most knowledgeable people I know around points and miles. And yeah, I've been helping them with just a couple of things on a company that they started helping people utilize their points and learn point strategies. So yeah, all four of those accounts are really super knowledgeable and would be great to follow. Fantastic. And where can we find you on the internet? I am on Instagram. I'm at High Sierra Points, H-I-G-H. And I, I don't really have a whole lot else. Yeah. So it's most of my things are through Instagram at the moment and hoping to expand from there. Sounds good. Well, thank you again, Sierra, so much for coming onto the show today and telling us 
all about your trip to Morocco because it's a magical place. If somebody hasn't been there and you're kind of on the fence and thinking about whether you should go, you should go because it's so much fun. Absolutely. Yeah. And thank you so much for having me. This has been great. Of course. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. If any of the cards mentioned in today's episode piqued your interest, please check out the links in the show notes for more information on any of the cards. Also, if you apply for a card using the links on that page, I may receive a commission too, so please and thank you. P.S. I hear the links work better in Internet Explorer or Safari, and sometimes the credit card applications tend to glitch out in Chrome. Additionally, it would mean the world to me if you could subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star review, and share it with a friend. And if you would like to make even more travel hacking friends, please sign up for the Patreon to access our monthly masterclass hangouts. We dive deep into a particular points program each month, and you'll get to ask all of your travel hacking questions and enjoy being around other people who enjoy points and miles just as much as you and I do. If you would like an invite to the next one, head over to geobreezetravel.com hangouts to sign up to be on the invite list. Take care and happy travels. Thank you.